Welcome to the Dirt to Dollars podcast. Hosted by Central Kentucky Extension agents, Whitney Carmen, Daniel Carpenter, and Matt Adams. Where we talk everything from the dirt on your land to the dollars in your hand. Welcome back. It's another week of Dirt to Dollars. How are you guys? Good. Actually, I'm pretty good. I was going to say, I think I'm, I'm up on, on the up and up stuffing my face with donuts right now so i'm i'm doing all right i like this recording in the morning we catch daniel before he gets in a bad mood <laughs> well Dang, she daniel. said that <laughs> before somebody's coming i in mean sucked his soul <laughs> i'm not in a bad mood about this but it's just like it's just you just kind of look at somebody and be like really really so this morning I stopped and grabbed some donuts for the office on my way into work. And for me, I mean, it was mostly for me. I was like, well, if I'm going to get me some, I'll get some for everybody else too. But I go to get into the donut shop and I, there was somebody kind of behind me. And so I opened the door and I just let them go through. Well, they proceed to go up to the donut thing and, you know, I'm running. I'm not, I don't have a lot of time, but they go up to the counter and they're like, I need six dozen donuts. And I was like, Oh, come on. Like I'm just getting like a dozen, if even that. And so I had to sit there for like 10 minutes waiting for him to get all his donuts. And uh, I was just like, you know, I held the door open for you and you knew you're going to get that many donuts. Why didn't you just (laughs) let me go in front of you? Maybe he thought you were getting seven dozen. Yeah, I was going to say. Well, he probably looked at my belly and was like, yeah, he's going to get a lot of donuts. (laughs) I better just go on. I would imagine that most mornings like that, you know, they're probably people are coming in and getting donuts for the office. So they're ordering more than just one or two dozen. But yeah, that's 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 unfortunate. I was just like, and of course, we're recording this on Tuesday, which is election day. Mm -hmm. I, I, I was seeing if he was like any particular person maybe he was out trying to hand out a donut for votes or something would you have taken one i would have taken one but i may not have voted for (laughs) (laughs) oh so we got a little uh sunshine today of course i guess that's per the per the usual the last few weeks kind of hot unseasonably hot and Kind of looks like we're in a little bit of a dry spell. Hopefully, this jinxes it and we get some rain before so. this comes on the radio this weekend. I was going to say it's mud balls by the time this goes on the radio. Well, wasn't there? Speaking of dust, isn't there a saying that something like corn in the dust, your Plant bins will the bust? Dust, your bins will bust. Okay. That's what I thought. I was somebody was telling me that the other day and I thought I had remembered that as a kid. And I, so maybe, maybe it's we're, weird though, because it's, and, and I know a lot of it's just different ground. But yeah. I'm hearing people say, oh, well, there's still there's still a lot of moisture. Like when you when you work up the ground or if you're, you know, there's still a lot of moisture in there. And then hearing some people, I can't even get the planter in the ground because it's well, so it's I think it's we were fairly wet and then we got so hot and sunny so fast that it, just it uh, baked. Yeah, just formed a crust. So once you get through that crust, there's moisture down there still. But That crust isn't good for seedlings. No. Uh, I have had a couple reports of, I know some early beans that were planted, uh, maybe didn't get planted quite deep enough and the soil dried out around them. They tried to germinate and died. Uh, so there's some replant situations going out there because of that. Well, and I can do a, uh, a pasture report and tell you that, of course, I'm 
no name farms. There's a, uh, just a little bit of dirt. That's my farm. It's not an official name. It's kind of an unofficial name. It's an inside joke, but you know, we only got an inch or two of topsoil on most of the place, but the plate, you know, especially around where the rocks are starting to pop out, but we've got a bunch of little circles, a bunch of little brown circles forming in the pasture field where those little shallow areas are. It's, I it's saw crispy. some of those, saw some of those around my place last night. Dude. It's, it's yeah. not supposed to be like that in mid May. So hopefully, no. and like the soil, like where the soil kind of wraps on top of the rock, it's like lifted up. So I guess where those rocks have gotten so hot, just it's caused huh. that soil to lift up off of it. So I mean, it's real weird looking. A lot of cracks in it's the probably field. some kind of geological explanation for that. We should look in. Probably that. when things get hot, it expands. It's probably basic <laughs> science. Yeah. But well, I and I would when say stuff gets cold. It expanded though. It it does, but I, I don't know. I don't have an explanation for it other than it gets hot and it gets dry and things start peeling back. But the wind probably doesn't help too. I feel like it's been a little extra windy in the last two weeks, so it's not made it any better for the hot. You know, the, the, the wind dry. It really dries stuff out quick. Yeah. It's like yeah. a uh, you know, like, like a hair dryer. Like a hair dryer. Yeah, I don't use one. So. <laughs> I have longer hair than both of you all and I still don't like to use one so that's yeah it that adds about 30 minutes to my day if I have to dry my hair so do you gotta when it does rain you know like I always put stuff off yeah because you know I, I don't need to do that today it's sunny out and I can do this outside you gotta do you have like a running list of things you do when it, it's a when it's mile long right now. Yeah, I mean it's getting it's getting that way because <laughs> it hadn't rained, like it hadn't been that kind of day for a couple of weeks. What's so what's, if, if you're waiting on a return phone call from me, just be patient. I hadn't forgot about you. It's coming when it rains. <laughs> I hope it's nothing urgent. No, no, no. The urgent ones get returned. So that's why you hadn't called me back. That's exactly right. So this over the weekend, um, it looked like we were going to get some rain here and there. I think they had some big rains, like just north of Radcliffe. It looked like when I was looking at the radar, Louisville got a lot of rain. Mm -hmm. Um, That makes you feel real good when you could be in a planter at home and you're sitting in Louisville waiting for a wedding and it's pouring rain. mm -hmm. Yeah. So a few of us went to weddings and, uh, and even when I went, I was like, you know what? It's about to rain. I think we'll just go on and go this wedding. And and then even then, of course, I guess you didn't have a choice, Matt. You had to go. That's but, that's right. Yeah. But the uh, but when we left the wedding, it started pouring these big raindrops as we were leaving. And that was about it. Like it didn't rain a lot, but the raindrops were huge and cold when they came down. But um, I've got a rant if you're ready for it. Actually, a couple of rants. Okay, sure. <laughs> so for one, so we were at a hotel in Louisville's where everybody got ready for this wedding. And then the, uh, what do you call it? Service ceremony? Ceremony. That's the word I'm looking for, right? Yeah, the ceremony. Yeah. And the uh, reception were at the Derby Museum at Churchill Downs. So we all get ready to... Uh, to head out to Churchill and it that's when the bottom just dropped out and it started pouring. So we were parked in the parking garage that's off the corner of the building that the hotel's in. And we started asking around and there's no 
entrance between the hotel and the parking garage. So you have to go outside and walk like two thirds of the way around to the building to get to the parking garage. So luckily we found the side away from the weather and I was able to run between the little awnings over doors in my suit and get over to the parking garage and the rain was kind of the how it was blowing the building kind of blocked it but uh so we get that done get to churchill downs when my sister booked this place they said oh she asked about parking they said oh yeah we don't have races here at that time of day so everybody will be able to park wherever they can park in this red lot right next to the derby museum so then they'd found out last week sometimes they were having down downs at the dark downs after dark yeah downs after dark yeah races at night the night of her wedding oh no so i thought i'm gonna try it anyway so i pull into the red lot and uh i've got the little flower girl in the back and my wife and our baby uh the little guy comes up and it says passes required and all this i tell him what's going on he said man you can't park here he said, you got to have a pass to get in here. I told him we we're there for the wedding or whatever. He said, oh, well, if you're here for the wedding, you can park in the white lot right back here behind me, just one down. Okay, that'll work. So I thought, well, while I'm there, there's this little cul-de-sac in front of the Derby Museum. So I pull in there, drop the girls off so they don't have to walk any further than they have to and in case this thing goes south. And swing back around, go in the other entrance, get to the white lot. They've got gates across it. I thought this isn't going to be good. The little gatekeeper person comes up, tell them well, I'm there for a wedding and everything. The guy at the red lot said I could park here. She said, well, did he give you a pass? I said, no. She said, well, you can't park here. It's downs after dark. you got to fend for yourself and park wherever you want or wherever you can. So we had to park like a mile and a half from the Derby Museum and walk all the way in and fight the crowds. And then we get there. And there's, I get up to the door and there's fire trucks sitting outside and everybody's standing outside. Somebody pulled the fire alarm. Oh, nice. Like 45 minutes before the wedding was supposed to start. And it's not cold outside. It's, it's toasty at that point. In yeah, time, right? but it had rained. <laughs> so it was, it had cooled off some. It was actually halfway nice. But once we got in there, everything settled down. It was kind of a neat place to have a wedding. They kind of gave you a little, had a little cocktail hour between the ceremony and the reception that people could wander around see the derby museum it was kind of neat but not really a good setup for a wedding so i say that to say if you're looking at planning a wedding there's a lot of good local venues that are locally owned and privately owned around and uh might check those out and just stay close to home instead because most of those have it more figured out than i think the kentucky derby museum does so i tell you what a lot of times it seems like many of these Venues are farmer owned too. So yeah, you may even be helping out a, a local farmer. And none of them that you'll have to walk a mile and a half into the wedding for. So you may have to park in a pasture, but you can get there sometimes. But it was funny to watch all these people that had like cut it close. Like I know if I hadn't been in the wedding, I'd have been one of those people that would have showed up like five minutes before the wedding was supposed to start. Well, of course, they delayed the start of it a little bit because everything that happened. But people would be like running up the stairs trying to get to the to the ceremony and thinking they were 10 minutes late. And you could tell they were just wore out. They'd walked all that way, but it was entertaining. 
typically with, you know, you're talking about how you're in a kind of a big city over the weekend. Typically we hear about this stuff in the big city, but it seems like it's moving to the rural areas, catalytic converter thefts. Yeah. Uh, Our church van got stolen. Picture the whole van. No, the, the catalytic converter oh, from wow. our church van got stolen. Yeah. The, um, did they, how did, did they get it from underneath? I, I would assume so. The van is, is older and it was sitting outside under a covered, one of those covered awning things, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. <clears throat> so so there was it a, over on its side. It wasn't over on yeah, its side. There, no. <laughs> there was a picture floating around on social media in Western Kentucky that, um, I guess it was Western Kentucky, maybe on the Kentucky Tennessee line, somewhere around in there. That the um, they had hooked a what they ratchet, do? They strap. A ratchet strap around it, and around the door, yeah, around like the top of the door frame. That was impressive, and pulled it over so they could. I guess so they didn't have to get their back started getting the catalytic. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> why but would they well. ruined? Uh, you know, it was I don't know how expensive the vehicle was. I'm sure it was probably a. Say it was a ten thousand dollar vehicle. Yeah. And basically, they probably totaled it. Oh yeah, L- looking mm-hmm. at it, they probably totaled it just to get a two hundred dollar catalytic converter off of there. I don't know. I don't know what they cost now, but I don't know what they. What it? I don't Can know. Is even, it? Well, like a scrap place even take those anymore? That's what I wouldn't thought. that be sketchy if you rolled in with a bunch of those? And they check everything. Like anytime I've been somewhere like that, you know, they're making sure where's your they ID, copy your got your file, and. And then all these notices everywhere about it, but there must be somebody taking them somewhere yeah. for money. I would say though, uh, is that genius or is it lazy or is it, I don't know what would take more work getting underneath and cutting it out or pulling it over on its side. I don't know. That's well, interesting. All they did was open the door, run a ratchet strap around the top of the door frame and close it <laughs> and pull it over. Like I'm impressed by that door latch. <laughs> so with that being said, you might, if you got vehicles that you've had sitting around or sitting by a barn or sitting somewhere that you know that you don't use all the time, might might keep an eye on it or check it, make sure nothing's yeah. happened to it. Make sure you might want to make sure there's no big ratchet straps laying yeah. next to it. Put your ratchet <laughs> straps um, away. So yeah, that was kind of and 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 for that matter, I guess is scrap still still high. high. I mean, I've still I it guess. must be. I've still seen a lot of stuff rolling up and down the road on trailers. So I have to. If you got if you got a big pile of stuff somewhere, it might be a good time to haul it off. But one and then two, it might also be a good time to keep an eye on it because somebody might be liable to just pull up and load it up. You're starting to get brave. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, thieves are thick right now too, but so are stink bugs. Yeah. Y'all having issues too with yours? They never went career? away. <laughs> they really didn't. You and all every box me. you open has stink bugs in it. Mm-hmm. Well, I know we talked about it a little earlier and you all were talking about how you had issues. And I said, I hadn't seen them lately. And in the last week, it seems like every time I walk around, turn a corner, there's one sitting. So, so I, we ugh. serviced some equipment last week, I guess. Changed the oil and some tractors and changed air filters and stuff. And, like, I had them all sitting in a big box where they came from the dealer. And, like, you'd pull a box out and there'd be stink bugs underneath it. So, I got to where, like, I'd shake the filter out before I put it on the tractor to make sure. And I didn't have any come out. Mm -hmm. I thought, wouldn't that, you know, that's been a problem somewhere that somebody's put a filter on a tractor or a car or whatever. And it was full of stink bugs and caused issues. 
couldn't that mess some things up? Potentially, <laughs> might stink it up pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, I, I don't know what. You know, I, our house. I feel like it's sealed up pretty good. It wasn't, but I went around it, and I, I mean, I, I just if there's a hole where they're coming through, I don't know where it is. They must just be making their way through somehow. Yeah. I don't. They just some boogers is what they are. But there's just, and I said this before. It's just I've just come to accept that there's just gonna be one walking around the room somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I go, oh, well, yeah, there he is walking walking down the trim. Let's see if he makes it all the way around the room. Uh, sure enough, <laughs> it will. And it worries me a little because you know there there were some problems with them in soybeans last year, and they didn't come in till late. You know, if they never died over the winter, we've got a population starting up. Are they going to be more of an issue and more of a damaging pest <laughs> this year? Mm-hmm. Because it, you, they would almost have to have higher numbers, right? Yeah, so there was actually um, a publication that was out last week, I think. And I, I, I used part of it in a newspaper article. But there's, there's a, I believe there's a few different types of stink bugs. And some of them are a little more um, for Brown like marmorated or what? Brown marmorated is one you're seeing in your house. Mm-hmm. 99% of the time, that's probably the one. That's the one that's just a... It's a man. It's just a massive producer of more stink bugs of destruction. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> and they're not <laughs> going to do annoyance. any destruction to your house. They're just an annoyance. But they 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 do feed on soybeans, and there are some that you know could feed on other things. And there was they mentioned in the article they were concerned about uh, damage to um, corn and and soybean seedlings because that that piercing mouth part when they're that young could cause distortion or could cause issues in the, in the plant. So if you see like, you know, signs of distortion in your, in your seedlings, let us know. And we'll come out and try to catalog that. Cause I think it's a concern that we don't really know, you know, what that could mean, or if it could even mean anything, it may not hurt anything. It may just look bad, but typically yeah. if something causes something wrong with the appearance of a plant, it's going to affect how it takes in sunlight, how it takes in nutrients, water, and all that stuff. So it, it could have long-term effects on the on the end end yield of that of that well, plant. And it's important to kind of keep an update with it or and let us know and keep us updated because the especially the brown marmorated stink bug hasn't been in Kentucky but just for a few years. And so it's one of I mean, those- it's been here for like 10 years now. They've yeah. been talking about it for a long time, how it's gonna uh, be a problem. Yeah. Ever since I was in sales. And that's been. But was it here yet? I, I was going to say it was in Kentucky, but it was but it was only limited. it was only at your yeah. rest stops, right? Well, right. that's what I'm saying because I remember having when but I first started in extension, yeah. it was being it was you would you were they were finding them on the interstate, and I can remember a push there to be out scouting for them and looking for them because we were worried and we were worried they'd come in and just demolish a soybean crop, right? And they haven't done it yet. They haven't, you know. D- demolished a crop but there has been right. issues like at last year in the outside of the fields where yep. there were definitely there was definitely definitely injury there but yeah so you know back to that they we were finding them at truck stops because those bugs would ride in on semis or in pallets and would hitchhike in and then they would sort of get off of those vehicles at truck stops and rest areas and then they would mate and do their thing and um They'd find them in the rest stops in the buildings there and massive amounts of them. And they just kind of, you could see that the, I remember them showing those maps the first few years and you could just see that they were sort of 
spreading from there. And I think they finally, just in the last couple of years, I think Western Kentucky was, was finally seeing seeing them there too. But I think they're Did pretty they have much their little thumbs out hitchhiking. When they were, I just that think that's kind of little funny. backpack on the little backpack. The back. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nobody'd pick them up though because no, I wouldn't there. want to. Absolutely not. Sort of like the issue same issue with like the kudzu bug and that they were having with at one point in time we haven't heard much about it lately but that same no they were talking about that a few years ago how that would be Mm -hmm. a big thing hadn't heard much about that lately i'm I'm glad i'm thankful but but a good a good you know bit of information here for like a threshold on stink bugs like you you'll see them you're going to see them in the fields but if you're if you're seeing on on corn before pollination one stink bug for every four plants that's going to have you at like a 25 percent infestation and don't just go count four. And if you see one, that means 25%. You're going to have to count a bunch. But if you uh, if you get to looking around and you're noticing 25% of the plants have stink bugs, you might need to do some control uh, efforts there. And uh, I think with soybeans, if you're using a drop cloth, if you find a stink bug for every foot of row when you're shaking the, the plants, then that's about the the control point on that too. And that's that's it. Uh, reproductive stages or your R stages on beans or if you use a sweet net which I don't know I don't know too many that are out there netting a lot but you may have a crop scout or something that's doing it and they'll know the thresholds but I think it's like three or four stink bugs per 25 sweeps I don't I don't like to sweep you don't like to sweep that's what my wife says yeah so along lines of crop production and we talked about the dry weather and how we've missed the rains this week. Uh, might as well keep up our weekly planning progress report update. It's changed a lot. It has. It has. So nationwide this year or this week, uh, looks like we're at 49%, which is double of what last week's number was. But the previous five-year average was 67%. I think I saw last year at this time we were at 95% nationwide. I, kn- I knew we were about done. I, I, it was just an anomaly year, a good plant year. Uh, I think we've more than doubled here in this in this last week because I well get yeah, just a second and we'll okay. get to that. I've got those numbers <laughs> too. Uh soybeans 30% planted nationwide compared to 39% for the five-year average. Uh I don't have the number there for the for this time last year, but uh, 16, oh, 9% emerged compared to 12% of the average. So soybeans not quite as far behind, but uh, corn pretty far behind. Uh, when we look at our state numbers, this week we're 65% across the state of Kentucky. Last week we were 39%. So not say, quite uh, doubled. Almost though. Last year, we were 77%, which I feel like corn planting-wise here locally, we're probably along the same pace as we were this time last year. Wouldn't you all think? I think so, because I feel like we've had a lot of – we've had a longer stretch of dry weather. I think right. last year it was, you know, we have a couple of days on, a couple of days off. Right. But I, I think – But this, this is year, a statewide number, and there are some areas of the state that have been wetter than us that didn't miss And drier. Time. Yeah. Yeah, I've talked to a lot of people this week that are done with corn. I have too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me too. Seems but like then there's still a few that have have a lot left. Yeah, or just now, got started. Yeah. 
I saw a lot of bean planters over the weekend. So in, in my, a lot of beans being planted too. Yeah. 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 So that tells me that a lot of these guys are done with corn in my so five-year average on corn planting progress is 70 percent so we're right there basically right at the five-year average uh soybeans planted 41 percent compared to 19 percent last week so we did more than double soybean planting and i can believe that because there were a lot of bean planters running and like you said a lot of guys that got finished up planting corn if they're just running one planter or or if they can switch that corn planter to beans too, they hammered some beans in while they could. Winter wheat headed. Have y'all noticed the wheat heading out? Yes. Oh yeah. So, yeah. so they're just showing seventy-seven percent. I mean, I think I called Hardin County a hundred percent this week. I did. I did ninety-five percent because I thought there's probably a field somewhere I hadn't seen head and it's heading out. So I didn't. I didn't feel like I could just firmly say 100%. I will next week. Okay. I said 95%. All right. Uh, last week was 55%, which mm-hmm. I don't think we had hardly anything headed out last week. So. It's starting to, starting to a couple of those yeah. early planted, but that was it. Last year, 79%. I felt like wheat heading out, we were a little behind this year. I thought felt like it was coming on a little slow, but – Apparently, according to the five-year average, we're right on pace. So, we uh, talked these planting progress numbers. Do we want to talk about planting date a little bit? Sure. Yeah, because, you know, we're talking about – I mentioned, you know, a lot of people are done with corn – and it's probably isn't it this week kind of an important week for that to be done with corn. Yeah, yeah. So historically, maybe. So it, um, I don't know about historically, but I think you know the because historically it's probably changed. Yes, with what You're right. new technologies and things we have. <clears throat> but I do think there's some data that'll say like mid-May is pretty crucial time because once you passed. A, you know, mid maybe May fifteenth or so, you st- you could start to lose yield. I actually think isn't it May the like May the tenth? I don't think it's that early. Well, I know but May fifth. It, it's we could probably all agree it's in mid May, right? So right, we're right. we're kind of right at that time. Like you know, it, we but, talk about planting super early and everything, but like this is kind of when you want to be you want to have it in the ground and ready to go, right? And I know Chad Lee had some data there several years ago that he had collected a bunch of farmer yield data with planting dates. And lots of data, like probably hundreds if not thousands of data points that all show that. A lot of that would show over like a 10-year period the best data or the best window to plant corn was like May the 12th through like May the 25th. Mm -hmm. So it's probably not as early as, as we think. Uh, now I know some of that's probably been thrown off the last few years because of disease pressure, especially if you couldn't get a fungicide application on, uh, because that's going to hurt that later planted corn more than it is the earlier planted corn. But, uh, I do know there's some solid data out there that says, I think after the 15th of May, we'll lose on soybeans, we'll lose about a half bushel a day. 
of yield potential. And once we get to the first of June, you start to lose a bushel a day. Mm-hmm. So we definitely want to go on and get those soybeans in the ground and try and get them wrapped up before June gets here. Full season beans. Yes. Yeah. Well, you're not going to get wheat combined and no, no. Okay. Double crops. Just that. clarifying, you know, for the masses. <laughs> Although I think, was it 2012 when we had the super early year? I think we ended up, there was some wheat harvested in late May. So that was the drought, but I think we were super early and warm too. And the wheat went on and matured really early. And I I think there was some wheat harvested late May, early June. There was one. But I know know that year the double crop beans, the double crop beans were the best of any crop that was planted that year. Yeah. yeah. There was some really light corn. Really yeah. like corn. It was planted that did good too. But I was going to say one year, it must have been the year after that, maybe. I don't know. I remember one year though, it wasn't as great because I think there were some double crop beans planted like first of August. Yeah, I can remember <laughs> some of that yeah. several years ago too. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I would, don't know what the data was on how they harvested, but it was, it, everybody, it was kind of like, okay, well, got to get them in. <clears throat> so we had a LaRue County Cattlemen's meeting. Last week, Matt, you seem to act like we have one every couple of weeks, but well, you do. Uh, we there won't be another well, one for a few months because he takes week? a summer off. We okay. okay. take a summer break. The um, but the, the they had a guy come in to talk about fly tags and a little bit of fly controlled topics, and figured it might be a good time to mention that. And we probably actually we're probably gonna get a specialist to come on here pretty soon in the next few weeks and and talk maybe a little more in depth. Um, but what do you all think is, is now about the time to be looking at this or do you still got, you still got a few weeks or a month until we really need to, to put those ear tags in. Cause they're, they only give you like 90 days, I think yeah. typically a fly control. So it's kind of strategic on when you, when you put them on, yeah. um, as far as, as that. So is, is now a pretty good time to. I typically hold off until we tend to work our spring morning calves you know sometime in june mid mm-hmm. to late june and I try was, and just do it when we do that working we always i guess a, a veterinarian told me a long time ago something about the memorial day labor day like that's kind of when you want to yeah do your control because it gives you about somewhere in between that those two times it gives you about the 90 to 100 days that's probably a good rule yeah mm-hmm. um so it's it's pretty important from from an insecticide resistance standpoint. So when if those fly tags are put in too early, then you lose that late season fly control, and that's when flies are really, I guess, mating and and abundant. Yeah. And so if if you're if you're not at pretty good or full strength at that time of year, you're you're going to have a lot of flies get through that probably could develop resistance to whatever class of insecticide. Uh, tag that you're using well and i'll say too that i think it's important to not just rely on a fly tag or not rely on any one uh, method of fly control or it's probably going to eventually fail mm-hmm. uh, i know we've been ai and cows the last couple of weeks at our place and been noticing several flies and we went on and, and poured with the with uh, for worms and we're probably a little early on that but 
you know, the cows are through the chute anyway, and we want to clean them up. And and that's going to give us a week or 10 days at least to fly control too to try and get us a little closer to that that June time frame and we'll have them all through the chute again. So, so yep. doing and, some and, stuff and, like that or using, using well, fly spray or back spray. rub or something like that as well. Yeah, and, and it was also they talked about at this meeting, you know, that that's important to have multiple – avenues of control, multiple tools, I guess, that you're using from that toolbox. Cause you know, like uh, face flies was something they talked about a little bit and uh, like ear tags, they can help with face flies a little bit, but don't always, you know, they're not going to eliminate or completely control face flies. And really for that matter, there's not a lot that does, but using a few different things together could really help limit, limit their numbers. I don't, as far as like labeled, I don't think there's a whole lot of things labeled for face flies specifically. Um, but I know every now and then you'll find, you'll come across something that'll say it controls face flies, but it's just hard to find something on the label. It'll say apply to the face. Um, typically we use it in a oiler or rubber or something like that, that can kind of rub on there every now and then to help keep them in check. Uh, and one of the best methods I've seen is some of the feed through products like you can get in through your mineral or through a feed source, but uh they're a little tricky because if you have any other cattle around like you've got neighbors with cattle or say you've got a neighbor with sheep or something that's not going to feed that kind of stuff they're uh you're uh going to get their flies coming over on your cows so uh if you're in a situation where you're isolated and there's not any other livestock around then that's a really good avenue to go go through Yep. Um, and I think, what is that? Horn flies? Yes. Yeah. That, that, that will control. So they're still, horn flies, they're yes. still like five or six other significant flies that affect cattle. So it's another, you know, it's another example of a good tool to have. Um, also, resistance is a big thing. You know, I already talked about that a little bit, but make sure you're changing whichever class or insecticide. It seems like a lot of these tags may have certain colors those insecticide classes so you change colors um each year each season yeah they say to get on like a three-way rotation right that's yeah that's what we do i don't remember if that's what he said or not he was he was mainly hitting in the change it every year maybe his company only had two different classes (laughs) Uh, actually i think there's like five or six (laughs) different classes i was gonna say i know we've got three different ear tags i mean we switch from year to year i think we do a green and then there's a blue and then i think there's another color but i can't i can't remember it but just trying and then we also do the pour on and just trying your different different modes of action making sure you're staying up to date Mm -hmm. and i didn't realize do you know how ear tag how they work they have to rub that on their skin. See, I so I'm not not gonna sit here and claim to be any kind of cattle pro, but I'll admit when I kind of learned something new. I, I guess I knew it, but when I heard it in the meeting, I was like, huh, I didn't realize that. Like I thought it was something they put it in their ear and and it just kind of systemically was around, or it was like, or maybe it was even like these. You know, like with these kids or and people, you can wear these wristbands that, that, that are supposed to like keep mosquitoes and stuff off yeah. of you. Magic I kind of thought it was, crystals. it was just, yeah, <laughs> it was something like that, but uh, it sort of kept them away. But yeah, they actually rub it on there. And that's another thing you've mentioned, you know, using gloves. It's important to use gloves when handling them and 
uh, when you open the bag. (laughs) Yeah. You don't uh, just for the pure that they stink too. If you get it on your Mm -hmm. hands, it doesn't Uh, look good. Well, and I know I've heard them say that that's one of the reasons for tagging cows that have calves on their side is when that calf's nursing and, you know, that cow will turn around and lick and rub on it, then she'll actually rub some of that tag on that calf as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, well, we, we might get in more in depth on that later, but just wanted to talk about that a little bit because that is pretty timely. And especially as it's been hot this last few weeks, I've been noticing a lot more flies and stuff. So, But isn't usually when we have a dry spring like this, doesn't that, cut down on the fly population yes it does but also when it's hot you you know when like there's a hot side of your house and you look at it and it's going to be covered in flies it don't matter if it's wet outside or not yes it's just it's just they they are drawn to heat and and hanging out in those places so yeah i think it's um i think you're right on that i know for worm like in sheep with worms and parasites it's not bad right now because it's been hot and kind of dry and I, and I've even like, I haven't wormed anything and I try not to worm anything unless I absolutely have to, but it hasn't been an issue. And that's probably been one of the positives of being a little dry, but I still will take some rain. What about y'all probably heard me clearing my throat all morning. What about allergy season pollen? It's been high this last week. I can say that. It's has it really? I haven't. No, I haven't seen the like. Has the has have they said it's I high? Haven't seen, yes. like, the I haven't seen it. Yes. Graphics on the but weather. Mine haven't been that bad except when I, I mowed grass yesterday and in my yard. And I think there's a. I've had people bring it into ID because they're mowing it and it's tearing their allergies up when they mow over it. But it looks. It's like a form of buttercup that could grow in your yard with little yellow flowers. It's it's a little different than what's in the pasture field, but it's still buttercup family. You know, very similar. Um, it'll flower here and then it'll be done and you won't see it after a few weeks, but, um, it didn't bother me much, but I did have a lot of people saying that when they mow it or, and they're out mowing their grass that it's really tearing up their, their allergies and they want to get rid of it. And I still think some of it's probably cause it's dry and the grass is tearing them up anyway, but they seem to think that that's what's causing it. So I know grass pollen is extremely high right now. I had to drive our side by side across a hay field that had a lot of orchard grass in it. Why did you have to drive across that field? We won't talk about that. Something get out. uh, Yeah, yeah, something got out. Chase cows out there. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, so every time you drive through a patch of orchard grass, it was just like a fog of yellow. So it was throw your shirt over your nose and try not to breathe, breathe it in. And, uh, anytime I could drive back through the same spot that I'd already driven, <laughs> just trying to keep from stirring that up anymore. Well, you can just look at your vehicle. Probably got some mask laying around. You could wear yeah. don't you? Probably, <laughs> probably not using them anymore. Are we? Well, and I know oh. like we talked about last week too, a lot of people are cutting hay. So that's another, if you do live around somebody that's cutting hay or if you're not, cutting hay yourself that's another issue i know that our our neighbors when they're cutting hay it was this last week you could tell it was in the air so we haven't caught much rain but i think we had a there was another direct how do we say that again daniel you were the expert last time we had one Derecho. yeah did you see pictures of that every time yeah so uh I follow some social media people, farmers and 
like Minnesota, and some of them got hit really hard. Uh, I, I hate to see that coming. Taken down and and you know grain bins. There's one picture of a grain bin that's like it lifted it up off the foundation and scooted it over eight or ten feet, and the grain bin was sitting on top of the floor. I mean, y'all know how a grain bin floor works. It's just sitting on top of the concrete foundation, not fastened down. Somehow it stayed, and the grain bin was sitting on top of it. Yeah, they had several tornadoes that spawned out of that, too. Lots of lots of damage. And, and up in that part of the world, they're super wet, too. They don't have anything planted. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because they've stayed so wet and so cold. And then now a lot of them have storm damage to clean up. And uh, if it does dry out, they're going to be working on cleaning up storm damage instead of planting Planting. corn. Yeah. Some of the pictures though, of it coming, people were showing the videos of them, of it coming their way. And I, it's, I'd hate to be stuck in that. That's kind of scary. And I think some people were, it's, I think it just kind of happened from seeing some pictures and some videos on social media. Yeah. Well, I did. We had one come through here last year but we didn't have the brunt of it right like it came through right. here but it came it's it was really bad in indiana illinois right yes i think it was last year yeah yeah i believe so i believe so i don't know and I, I can't tell anymore when you start talking about the last couple <laughs> one, of years last it's just year all blurred. blurs together last year could be last year or it could be five years ago i think we need to make that <laughs> official like if somebody says yeah that was last year then that actually means it was probably the last two years <laughs> Right, kind of like, like, yes. like when somebody says that was 30 years ago and you think 1970 and it was actually 1990. Stop. <laughs> I think that sort of hit home with me. And my, my sister turned 30 last week and I thought she was born in 92. And I remember that, that feels like yesterday to me, you know, as a kid, which was the 90s were awesome, but still. That's like our wedding this week that, uh, we had some cousins come in that don't see very often that are out of state. And like, I can remember vividly when they were born, like, you know, you're old enough that you remember getting the phone call in the middle of the night or whatever, that they were there and they're all grown up and graduated out of college and they're grown ups now. <laughs> it's like talk about make you feel old. Yes. So what are we going to do about a song this week? Well, Whitney just mentioned 1992. Yeah. So, you know, you, I, I, I went to look, I looked up which, what the hits were from 1992. Probably a George Strait song, if I had to guess. No. And it's actually oh, one we man. talked about a couple of weeks ago or last week. Um, no one else on earth was, was the number oh. one song. But I actually was going to go a little different route with the number two song because you can listen to us on podcasts. You know, if you Google Dirt to Dollars podcast, it's the first thing that comes up. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, but you can also find us on the radio and there ain't nothing wrong with that. There ain't nothing wrong with the radio. Yes. Aaron Tippin Tippin was the number two song in 1992. with ain't nothing wrong with the radio. So that's what it's going to be our song pick for this week. So I I went to the FF. I was invited to the FFA banquet in Laurel County. And I I was invited too, but everybody was asking where you were. Well, (laughs) so I had clearance from Chris Thomas that if it was a pretty day, he understood and I was really going to try and make it if it was not a pretty day, but it was a pretty day and I had a wedding coming up over a pretty weekend. So 
I was where I uh, needed to be. Yeah, I understand. There was there was a few other farmers from the area that weren't there too that I'm sure were in the same place as you were. So, uh, but I appreciate the invitation. Yeah, but I did want to shout. You know, do a little congratulations. Uh, I had a, worked with a lot of these kids that are officers and are graduating over the years and crop scouting and other stuff. Um, but I'm pretty proud of their new officer team. And I got to give a shout out to, to Jose, the new president, uh, Donna Thompson, vice president, and Chris Robbins, secretary, and Tommy Wilmoth, whose mom works here at the extension office as treasurer. There was a few others in there that I'm not as familiar with, but I know all those kids and have worked with them in different ways and proud of them. And they had a really good banquet and I ate, um, I ate good that night. They had, I had a steak sandwich and it was, it was really good. Mm. We had, we had barbecue at ours. We hosted and sh- ours. So. And shout out to the Lurie County Cattlemen's for donating uh, the food for that. They, they cooked all um, that on their own dime. So it was, that was a really good deal. So uh, uh, Whitney, didn't you have, uh, you were sharing something about somebody from Grayson mm-hmm. County FFA? Yeah. We have a, of course, little tie-in. Our FFA advisor slash ag teacher at Grayson County is actually a LaRue County alum. And um, she's Miss Emily Taylor. And she has been here a couple of years now. And she is rocking it in our county and in our program and doing a lot of work with them as well. And we actually have our first state officer candidate. And in a couple of years, we actually had a state officer a few years ago, but Miss um, Celia Johnson is a state officer candidate and want to wish them luck when they go up there here in a few weeks, actually, to, to run for off state office. Awesome. Good deal. Uh, Hardin County Plant Fair is oh, this yeah. weekend. It is this weekend. You, you got the date right, finally. Yeah, yeah. So I've got my... <laughs> So Friday Saturday scheduled to be off to not be there when it's crazy and everybody's running around trying to get stuff set up. So yeah, so if you're, if, if you're listening to this on the radio Saturday morning, just head on over. You've got plenty of time. Go get your plants. Good deal. And if, if you find yourself Wednesday at 3.30 looking for something to do, come down to the LaRue County Library and I'm going to teach you about composting. Oh, are you going to read a book about composting? No, I'm going to teach you about it. Awesome. I am the book. Hmm. <laughs> so uh, maybe you can give us a little recap next week for those. I will. That's actually wow. uh, might not be a bad idea. Uh, Grayson County, their farmer's market is up and running Saturdays from 7.30 to sell out and on Wednesdays from 7.30 to sell out. So that's kind of what we've got going on. We're kicking up farmer's market and rolling with it. And if you're listening on Eastern time, that's 8.30. That's so exactly right. A bit and still get <laughs> over there. If you sleep in and you miss, like, you know how the in-season vegetable usually always goes first at the farmer's market. If you miss it in Hardin County, you've still got an hour to get to Grayson County before they all flock in and get it down. There. That's true. Or if you're running to the lake, you can stop in. And if you are somebody looking for in-season vegetables, make sure they're in-season. <laughs> Don't go to the farmer's market <laughs> expecting sweet corn yet. Because yeah, I, right. I've heard that one before. So just <laughs> make sure you know what's up. And if you need to know what's in season, you can contact your local extension office and we can help educate you on that. We can tell you what's up. We can. And... Another thing that's up is our time, so we need to call it quits. So see y'all next week. Have a good week. Bye.